Hey, DJ. Hey, Shane. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty, it's been a busy week. I, uh, <laughs> I witnessed a dad joke. It was pretty fun. <laughs> it wasn't a very good dad joke, but it was very memorable. Okay. I was at, uh, I was at the pharmacy, and this dad, like, you could definitely tell he's a dad. He had, like, sweatpants. He had, like, the kids with him. Definite dad. And he, he's walking past me, and he stops. He points straight ahead, and he says, No way! And then I turn and look, and there's like an end cap for whey protein. And oh so I was like, yes. But then I was telling other people about it. And then I realized what would have been so much better is if there was like an out-of-stock sign there for the whey protein. So then there wouldn't have been no whey. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was awesome. Oh, that w- that's awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I got a groan for my wife when I, when I told her that joke. She was yeah. not, uh, not impressed. Oh, I'm sure she wasn't. I'm sure she wasn't. And just wait till I have kids and I start doing stuff like that to them. I can't wait just to, to hear the audible groans. Oh, yeah. Just that's like, you win. Because oh, you have yeah. to, like, you laugh a little bit and you raise your shoulders and it's like, ha, ha, ha. And then you walk out of the room. It's like, yeah. This looks <laughs> like pizza. It's exactly. cheesy. It, you know, you just good stuff. And it's all about timing. <laughs> you have to, like, yeah, the groans are the best. Oh, yeah. The gro- well, especially when they don't expect the punchline and you just, like, you just hit them with it. You know, oh, yeah. they're just like yeah. looking at you, just wondering what 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 are you, what are you saying? And then you just like drop it, and they're just like, ugh. That's it. It's, it's all about the delivery, the the groan, and the timing. Yep, that's the formula for a dad joke, folks. You heard it here first. How you doing, man? I got a new microphone. Yeah, I can tell. You and I talked about it a little bit. You got Blue Yeti, huh? It's uh, it's fancy. It has all these buttons and stuff. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah. I'm like flipping dials, and then I sound bad, and flip other dials, I sound bad, and. I'm just figuring it out. Oh, no, I understand. And I, I asked our viewers, you know, as you're listening to us, please uh, please bear with us because we're still trying to figure out the best recording setup. We're still trying to figure out what kind of hardware to use. We're still we're still trying to figure it out. Podcasting's hard, Shane. Podcasting's hard. I think the solution is hammocks. If and, and Bear with me. So you can mount the mic to a tree branch. Then you get in a hammock. And when it's your time to talk, you just swing into it. And then it, it keeps it short. And then if you get this rhythm going, you're both on hammocks across the country. No? Okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> it's it's like stand-ups, but for but for podcasting. There there you go. You know? It's like you got to keep it short. You only have a little bit of time. So, man, are you getting the new phone? So, okay. So, you and I actually recorded an episode, which eventually I'm going to throw up for just like our, our early listeners or, you know, maybe as some sort of some sort of reward. I don't know. Just like... I don't, I don't know. It's not going to be behind a paywall, but it's going to be something. I'm trying to figure scavenger it out. Scavenger hunt. Yeah, Scaven- scavenger. Online scavenger hunt. You have On- to find Dogpile, like any of those old search engines. It's been Lycos. <laughs> like, yeah, I like this. So I'm going to do something. But we talked about the Apple event in this secret episode um, where I said that I was going to be getting the iPhone 11. And you told me that I should get the iPhone 11 Pro. Mostly because I have a little sprout coming, and I'm gonna to want to be able to get the best pictures I possibly can out of it. And I was like, "Ah, eh, the iPhone 11 camera is gonna be fine. It's fine." And then, and then I looked at an iPhone 10s screen, and I held it in my hand, and it just, it looks so good. And then I saw that there's this midnight green color for the iPhone 11 Pro. And then I realized that ultra wide angle lens is going to be amazing, especially if I can, you know, once I get to the point where it's like I want to start taking pictures of the kid, like in the yard running around, or it's like, 
Yeah, I, I, I just had all these thoughts in my mind. It's just like, man, it's not... When you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much more expensive. No. When you look at a, a 128 gigabyte iPhone 11, and you compare it to a 256 gigabyte iPhone 11 Pro, not the Pro Max, just the Pro, it's not that different. And I just feel like bang buck ratio, the iPhone 11 is going to be better. And if I want to hold on, on for two, hold on to it for two years, I can. I don't feel like I would be feeling FOMO as much when the iPhone 12 comes out if I have the 11 Pro. Whereas I feel like the deprecation rate of the iPhone 11 is much higher compared to the iPhone 11 Pro. Um, so those are just my thoughts. So I'm probably going to end up getting a Space Gray or Midnight Green uh, 256-gig iPhone 11 Pro uh, probably in the next month or so. I didn't pre-order it. I want to. I want to see it. Like some of my coworkers are gonna are, have already pre-ordered it. I want to look at theirs first and just kind of get a feel for it. Um, but it, the other reason it didn't make sense was that currently I have a Pixel 3a, a 3a XL. Um, and when you do a side-by-side -side comparison of the iPhone 11 and the Pixel 3 XL, the processor speed in the iPhone 11 blows the 3a XL out of the water. The camera, however, does not, and the screen definitely does not. The screen on the Pixel 3a XL actually is better than the iPhone 11. And so I was like, I I, I don't want to sacrifice that beautiful of a screen for iOS. Even though I love iOS, I really, really, like, if I'm going to be looking at the screen all day, I want to be looking at a good-looking screen, not one where it's like, ugh, like I, I downgraded, you know? Whereas you can't beat the OLED screen in the iPhone 11 Pro. You just can't. I have some thoughts. Okay, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Um, number one. The Pixel 3a screen is, I'm sorry, not the screen, the camera is awesome. Uh, compared to the iPhone 11 camera, it's awesome. Um, you, Of course, you'll see some some details if you you know, really zoom in on stuff or using like the night mode or whatever they call it now. You'll see some differences. But for general shots, they're almost the same. Uh, one big difference, though, Apple gives you live photos, and live photos are magic. Um, I, I just imagine a future where I have these these picture frames around the house and they're displaying live photos. So you walk up to them and if, if it detects you're looking at it, it would play the video kind of like a, a Harry Potter. But if you're not looking at it, it just does this, the still frames. Um, actually, we should probably stop the recording. I need to make that Raspberry Pi project. That would be awesome. Okay, back to it. Uh, green? Really? You want that green color? I, it looks really good. Okay, well, real quick, counter argument. Um, 3AXL actually does live photos as well. Okay, um, done. <laughs> now format wise I don't know what they're like they might be very different but the concept is still there um, the midnight green though looks really good to me I don't I don't know what it is about it it almost looks like an army green like I, I think it's kind of sexy you but then you're gonna, you're, are you going to put a case on it see that's what's stopping me from being like yeah I'm getting the midnight green that's what's making me think yeah I'm just going to get the space gray because the chances that I get a color case that is different than midnight green is very high. Whereas I won't feel as bad about it as if I have a blue case, I mean a, a black case putting it on my space gray iPhone. Yeah. You know, hmm. um, I just feel like if I have a black case and I have those midnight green cameras looking through it, it's just going to look super, super wonky. The 10s screen is really good. That OLED with the reds just pop. If you're taking it, like when I first got it last year, we went to the pumpkin patch and we were taking pictures 
and they were the reds that you would see were so we like took pictures of strawberries they were so vibrant on that phone and then i would view them on the computer didn't even wasn't even close viewing them on the phone is like the best experience but you don't really want to carry around that max phone size you want to carry around the smaller one and the smallest phone you can get will be the the 11 pro because it's actually smaller than the the regular 11 and the screen's better but it's twice as much but you do get wide angle you, you do get wide uh. angle and you know the thing is that with the 3a xl that i have um the screen size like the actual screen size is the same as the iphone 11 pro the pixel just has um bezels i got another thing to make you think about yeah let's hear it the uh are you gonna get the iphone uh, 13 whatever the next one's called um that is a good question that depends because. on whether or not I go with the iPhone app uh, uh, upgrade program. Okay, that changes things. Let's say that you weren't. And let's say that you weren't planning on, you were going to keep this for two years, you weren't planning on upgrading. Your little uh, TJ Jr. comes mm -hmm. in not eight, nine months. Then the new, the 13 is about to come out. And of course the cameras will be better. And you'll be saying, oh, but it has the triple wide like AR x-ray view or something. And you'll be kicking yourself. So either you get a new phone every year or you wait until next year you get that phone and then for the first couple months of, of uh, TJ Jr. use the, the Pixel screen or the Pixel camera. Well, you do the upgrade. You do both. All right, yeah, you do both. <laughs> first world problem. First world problems. You're right. Uh, honestly, I, w I will probably get the 11 Pro um, just because, for one, being an iOS developer, it's good to have an iOS device that you actually own. <laughs> step um, one. Step one. <laughs> Step one, dot dot dot, and step four, profit. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I need, I, I need to have an iPhone. Like, I, I miss iOS because even though, okay, we're talking about the Pixel 3a hardware, Pixel 3a hardware is pretty good, especially for the value. You know, for yeah. 400, 400 bucks, you get a very good mid-range phone. Let's talk about yeah. the software real quick. <laughs> okay. It runs Android. Android itself, I really don't have that much of a problem with. Um, Android is pretty stable for, you know, considering that it runs on so many different types of hardware, but the third-party applications for Android, they just suck. They're just not good at all. And so when I'm using Slack, Slack feels like it's, it, it just feels super jank. There really, really? isn't a, a, yeah, Slack feels terrible to me. Um, there is like I'm sure there is a good podcasting client, but there isn't like a definitive one. Like iOS okay. has Overcast or has Apple Podcast. You right. pretty much use those two. Sure, you can use Stitcher if you want to. You could use Pocket Cast and all that. But like the community accepted ones seem to be Overcast and Apple Podcast. Um, there are podcast apps for Android. There are plenty of them. I'm sure they're good, but they didn't feel good to me. Um, so I end up using Spotify Podcasts, um, and and it it feels. It, it, it doesn't feel like Overcast. Like, I really do miss Overcast. Um, I, iOS apps feel at home in the operating system, where Android apps do not. Android apps feel like Windows apps did. Whereas, like, I'm, I'm looking at GarageBand as I'm recording right now. It looks like it belongs in Mac OS. Whereas, a lot of the applications in Android feel like Steam on Mac OS, which just feels very, mm. very not part of the ecosystem. I use Android at work, and one thing that I love about it 
is the integration between like it's contextually aware of what you're doing so like it will tell me how long it takes for me to get somewhere or if someone if, if, I, if I get a phone call their picture pops up I'm not sure where it's getting it from but there's all of these integrations between the, the first party Google Apps that is just awesome so got to give them kudos to that the extensions that you can do on Android are phenomenal like we've been playing around with screen recorders we've been playing around with all these apps that can interact with other apps in ways that iOS just doesn't allow you to and there's also antivirus for Android because there's viruses so it, it goes full spectrum it, it's it's Linux you have the complete power of of the desktop and all of the negatives with that yeah pretty much did you know that every um, every Android app actually runs in its own um, user space, if you will? Like each app is a user in the Linux subsystem that is Android. Is a user? Oh, it's I didn't a user. Know that. Yeah. Wow. That's how it keeps everything separated, which I thought was super weird. That's their sandbox. Is users? Yeah, that's essentially. I, I think there's more to their sandboxing system than just that, but that is like a major part of their sandboxing system is that each application is a user. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I am impressed with, with what you can do on the technical side of Android every single day. But but again, like if I'm using some of these apps, like I'll download, and especially when I download free ones, I'll download like a free FTP uploader app or some you know, manager. And it's just, it feels bad. It, it it feels terrible. But then other things are phenomenal. So it's, uh, it's desktop Linux. It is. It is the year the desktop Linux happened back when Android was released. You know, yeah. and it continues to, to like... Linux saw success not only in server but on mobile. You know, just yeah. don't know if it'll. We should, you know, okay. We need to talk about this sometime. Desktop Linux. We need to talk about it, our our experiences and whatnot with it, and because I, I it, has, it holds a special place in my heart as we talked about last episode. But uh, we should talk more about that. Okay, um, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, other things from the Apple event, Apple Arcade, which oh. I'm definitely Ooh. signing up for. Have you um, not signed up already? I have not because I don't have an iOS device. Oh man, what are you doing? Go remedy <laughs> that. So I, uh, I've been, I haven't signed up for the 30-day subscription yet, but I've been looking at all the screenshots and stuff, and there's several games in there that really are sparking my interest. A lot of cool tower defense style games. A lot of the art styles just feel really solid. They feel like uh, not pixel shaded, but just like re really either really good colors or very smooth. A lot of them have controller support. They all work on a bunch of different devices. But it does, it definitely feels um, closer to a Nintendo environment than I've ever had on iOS before. Um, iOS games before actually kind of feel like Linux games. They're all over the place or they have microtransactions or they have all of these weird weird settings. And I don't know, it, it just ne it doesn't feel like Nintendo. And Nintendo seems like everything is, they got it together. They're all the same quality, the same standard. And from what I've seen on our arcade, it feels more like that than the Wild West that we currently have. And, and really, that's what iOS needs, especially like, I think it was only a few weeks ago that they were, um, there, there was, it wasn't a scandal. It's using scandals, the, the word scandal is very, uh, it just implies things that didn't really happen. But there were kids games that were tricking kids into, oh yeah, you can get like 150 stars for whatever if you, you know, subscribe <laughs> to the app. And turns out it was like charging parents like $7.99 a week. A week? Know, a week. And so I'm glad that Apple is doing this because, yes, again, Nintendo, the thing that's really great about it is that Nintendo isn't known for just pushing games out. They never have been. They're, they never have tried to just push games into their ecosystem as many as they possibly can. 
they Nintendo has always been known for high quality games that don't need a lot of post release updates. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. We live in a different world now. You'll release we do. a game. Well, iOS 13. So as soon was it like 11 days after iOS 13 comes out, iOS 13.1 is coming out. Like we live in a world where you patch all the time. And I remember back in the day you didn't. You you got bought your game, you installed it or, or put the cartridge in and you had that same version for life. Yeah. Like I remember I remember Super Metroid. Love Super Metroid. <laughs> it's an excellent game. They had one shot. They had one shot to make sure that this thing wasn't super buggy. And once it was printed out on cartridges, that was it. Yeah. You know? Uh, and now you have, like, I remember a few games come to mind. Um, Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Um, Batman Arkham Asylum on PC. Uh, and there was a couple more that I can think of, but they had just horribly... Oh, No Man's Sky. Just horribly oh, botched no launches that just... It was terrible. And... This is after people have given them like sixty, at least sixty dollars, you yeah. know, on a game they expect to be working, and it it doesn't work. It's just horrific. Yeah, Whereas, at that point they're just testing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like you're paying to be a beta user, and then you have Super Metroid back in nineteen ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, something like that. Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember Sonic three and Knuckles was, I loved it. It was a great game. I can think of a Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo sixty four, Super Mario sixty four great games and they never had the opportunity to ever release one update and so even though i'm not saying that we're not going to get updates on apple arcade apple has this nintendo feel where they are not just going to let any game into apple arcade it has to be vetted it has to be of good quality and it has to not scam little kids that want to play and it doesn't have ads yes it's going to be it's going to revolutionize I, i mean i really think that apple arcade is going to revolutionize gaming in a way that it offers such a safe environment of high quality games for a little price. Like Apple Arcade is going to be, I think that you could turn into the next into a gaming system, especially like on something like Apple TV. That's what I want to see. I want to see Apple Arcade on Apple TV. It is. Yeah, I didn't with know controller that. support. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Apple TV, Mac, iPad, iPhone, and it's five dollars for the entire family. I think it's like six devices or six family members at five dollars. $5 Let's talk about prices for a second. Apple, what is Apple News going to do? Apple News is ten dollars. Apple TV is five dollars. Apple Arcade is five dollars. Is Apple News going to drop? I think they're going to bundle all three for fifteen bucks eventually. Yeah, for fourteen ninety nine, you get all the Apple services. Give me some, I think some iCloud storage in there. Mm-hmm. Give me a terabyte in there, twenty bucks, all for the entire family. You share everything across it. That'd be great. That'd be perfect. Well, so okay, so I've been thinking a lot about the Apple TV. Uh, mostly because, again, in like eight months, I'm going to have a baby strapped to my chest when, you know, mom was out doing stuff. And being the gamer that I am, like, I probably won't be playing a lot of intense Fortnite matches. No, that's going no, on, You no. know? Um, so I've been playing around on my, my Apple TV. I just have an, uh, the HD um, Apple TV. Um, and it's perfectly capable. I've been playing a lot of Crossy Road on it. Uh, <laughs> I got about halfway through Sonic CD. Um, and I really want to play modern, not modern warfare. Um, what is the game called? There's a modern combat five is what it's called on iOS and it's on Apple TV as well. And so I want to play that with an Xbox controller, yeah. which comes in tvOS 13. And it's like, I can, I, I can play this. Like this is stuff that I can play with a baby strap to me. Um, I want to, I want to be able to go through like the Apple arcade titles. Um, and the fact that I'm going to be like, 
the Apple TV is going to be a gaming system. I hope so. I really, I, hope, I really so. hope so. I really hope so. Eventually, this I want to see a competitive small. game on the Apple TV. That would yeah. be awesome. Yep. Yeah, the closest we're going to get there is this Apple Arcade. And, and controller support. Things Agreed. are going to start changing. Agreed. And I don't awesome. have to have some like something like the Steel Series Nimbus. I can ha- I can use my Xbox controller that I already have. Yeah, Microsoft makes the best keyboard. I, I still believe they make the best keyboards, the best mice, the base, the best gaming controllers of any company, and they have for decades. That uh, original, what was it? The, the the natural split keyboard Microsoft made like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, all of their mice, they've I, just I still always have been I solid. Have two, actually, they're so good. They they're comfortable. Made of very nice materials. Um, even their surface line of products, just very good to hold tactically. Yeah. My wife has a uh, Surface laptop. Um, and it's it's a, if you're gonna get a Windows laptop, it's the kind that you should get. Like I, yeah. I would not recommend like getting a Dell or a Hewlett Packard or anything. Get a Microsoft one. Get a Microsoft yeah. Surface. If you want a desktop, Microsoft makes those as well. It it feels very Mac-like um, because you are running an operating system made by the person who also made made by the people who also made your hardware. Um, it feels so much better than you know Hewlett Packard with a ton of blueware on it. Yeah. It's the pixel of Windows laptops. Oh, most definitely, yes. Most definitely. What? Okay, I'm looking through the show notes right now. You wrote Modern Warfare. What yes, I about? did. Okay. So I, I wrote this down here just because, as you know, I'm a gamer. And I am just very, very excited for tomorrow where um, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare open beta is going to be... Well, it's actually a cross-play beta. Um, it's another game that's coming out um, that is going to be fully cross-platform between PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Um, and it's I, I have high expectations for it, especially because you can use keyboard and mouse now on console, which I find very interesting. Um, so I put that down there just because, like, for one, I'm very excited about it, but also for the fact that Call of Duty Mobile is coming to iOS yes. um, October 1st. Man, that's faster than I was expecting. I know there was like a, a pre-release or a, a pre-sign-up or something a couple months ago. Uh, were you able to sign up for that, or have you played it yet? I, I have not played it. I have historically not been the biggest Call of Duty fan. Um, I've always been a Halo person myself, so I, I didn't really think about it. Um, I kind of wish I had. Uh, but I also feel like it's not going to be a very good game unless you play with a controller. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to play any type of Call of Duty with a touchscreen. Like, it's just going to be horrific. I don't know how people play games like that with, like, even modern combat. I don't know how you played that with touch controls. Like, you need some sort of in-fight controller. Yeah. Touch, I had hope, high hopes for iPad touch controls, but you, you just need that tactile, tactile feedback. You need the vibration. You need the, you know, slamming the joystick towards an angle and having it physically stop instead of your finger sliding four inches across the glass. You need something. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm excited for, for both Modern Warfare and Call of Duty on iOS. I'm curious to see how they come, uh, like like how they play. I also am hoping that eventually Call of Duty Mobile comes to the Apple TV, coming back to wanting a competitive game on the iPad, on, on the uh, yeah. Apple TV. Or like, I just want to see Apple eventually enter competitive gaming because I think people, especially bigger companies, don't pay enough, enough attention to what's going on in the esports scene. Um, I think that if Apple can get a head start on that and eventually have a competitive competitive game that they are, you know, working with MLG to actually have tournaments, like that's a whole nother, a whole nother, like, 
trying to think of the word for it, whole other avenue for Apple to be in that they're not right now, and they could be there before anyone else. Nope, I'm with you. Hmm? Like the, the closest thing we have right now is like ten year old ports of games. You get Knights of the Old Republic that was just released on Mac. I'm just, I'm exaggerating here, but you know Civilization Six. Like the Mac slowly getting five year old games, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing truly modern. Or you need a ridiculous graphics card and eleven thousand dollar Mac Pro um, to be able to run it. All right, All right, and it's always been that way too. I remember um, all sorts of games that have come out. Um, like even even Half Life, I believe, came out way later on the Mac relative to on Windows. It's just always been the it's always been the case. And with iOS, they have the opportunity to change it. You have they the do. market share. You have uh, and people willing to spend money. That's a, a huge part of it. Right. No. It, very much so. Very much so. So I want to talk about your personal cloud. Tell me about oh. this personal cloud. Okay. So I've been working on this for. For weeks now my uh, first step was uh, I set up a, a virtual machine uh, a little computer in the cloud and I set up my own private what I'm gonna call cloud it was basically some file storage online it was calendar syncing it was contacts it was email just all of the services that I would currently use but I would have full control and they're running on my own machine and then I was going to design it so that I could share it with my family so I, I bought the website cowherd.cloud and I was my had a vision of you know all the family members being able to go to that website, log in, and have their email and contacts and calendars and notes and and just all of these these features that they currently pay, are paying for or or using free software for. Uh, but we would, as a family, control it all. And if something happened, you know, we could always get in there and access it. So it was my vision. Um, and what I realized is it's hard. And I, I figured out that these major companies who have invested billions literally billions of dollars into this uh, these problems they're doing a better job than I'm going to do in my part time uh, for fun for my family so I, I gave up on the dream of, of having my own and I went back to looking at the big players and I thought I found it so I you know I wanted to go in on iCloud so much and uh, I had one problem with iCloud well two three <laughs> first one Exporting stuff out of iCloud is difficult. Um, sometimes I will export uh, all of my photos or something, and I might end up losing 1,200. So I exported 300 gigabytes of photos. I lost 1,200 photos, and it didn't. I didn't know that I lost them until I tried to export. So what happened in the meantime? Did I lose them before? Apple didn't give me any information. When I'm using the iPhone, it's all magic. When I use iCloud Drive on the Mac or on the phone, it's magic. I just throw a file in there and I hope it gets where it needs to go. It just doesn't feel, the syncing doesn't feel right. It doesn't give me enough information back. I don't get logs. I just don't feel safe with it. So, uh, oh, one other thing, photos. So I, my, my wife has an iPhone. I have an iPhone. This is my dream. We both take pictures. We share a camera roll on iCloud. So I can always open it and see what picture she took and she can look at it and see what pictures I took. And we use this all the time. Uh, we're out and about with the family. We just grab whatever phone is closest to us and we take a picture. We don't want to have to go home every night and do this you know, airdrop dance or text message stuff back and forth. We just want to take pictures and share a camera roll. So our solution um, until recently was just Google Photos. It's just a phenomenal product. Uh, you can set what's called a partner on there and then all of your uh, all the photos that you take in your uh, inbox or your uh, your camera roll 
automatically synced into one central repository with your partner and you both have all of the photos. So we've been using that for a couple years now. Um, it supports live photos, which is a huge requirement for me. I have to have the live photos. I do not want to lose some of those videos. We, you, there's just precious shots that happen right, uh, you know, a couple seconds before or after we actually click the shutter button. So I needed good photos. I needed to be able to export stuff. Um, and then I needed reliability and I wasn't getting that with iCloud. So I looked at Google. Yeah, I already have a lot of stuff in, in a, uh, G, not G Suite, but just regular Google. I have Gmail, I have regular Google Photos, I have Google Voice, I have all of these regular products. But I just feel like they're selling my data or using it for machine learning models, or I just I just don't feel, I feel it's kind of creepy. I'm, I'm getting ads served to me. Um, I do have the justification, or I do realize that they don't care about me. There's so many users, they're just using it um, to get insight into the world, not necessarily you know, there's not an engineer staring at Shane stuff. They don't care about me. So that, that brings me a little bit of ease. Um, and what they offer is phenomenal, but there's no way you can offer something that good unless they're making money on it somehow. So I looked at uh, G Suite. That's their paid offering for businesses. Uh, G Suite, uh, G Suite. when you read through the terms of service, they, they talk about how you don't have ads in Gmail, and then they have some security and privacy because they're trying to aim for bigger businesses and government. And when you start you know, hitting those uh, industries, you have to be a little bit more secure. Um, so I, I just have a feeling, I have no evidence, but I have a feeling that the G Suite is a little bit more secure. My stuff's not as open as the free offerings that have to be supported by ads or something. So I, I tried to set up G Suite and everything was great. I, you know, I set up the account and then I tried to log in and every page that I went to, it said, you know, you're uh, forbidden from logging into this or some cryptic error message. So I got on the paid G Suite support chat and the person, it took like half an hour for someone to respond and they finally responded and they just were like copy pasting things that I had read during the 30 minutes I was waiting, uh, stuff that said, you know, sometimes it, may, it might take 24 hours for this to complete or you know, basically just wait. So it's like, that's a bummer. I just signed up for it. Um, I tried to pay and I can't log into anything. Then I went to, went to youtube.com, tried to log in. And it, I found out that if you make a new G Suite account, uh, and, and uh, for the listeners, G Suite is like a paid version of Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Docs, Google Drive. Um, you pay, I think it's like five $5 to $12 a month and you get a bunch more storage. You get... Um, management amongst all the other people in your, your group and you can have your email set to something.com so in this case cowherd.cloud instead of gmail.com so a little bit more professional and then if I uh, set up my family members on it and they forgot their passwords or something I could reset that for them so it's just some management but uh, yeah I tried to log into YouTube and it uh, it pops up an alert saying that you cannot create or log into YouTube with your G Suite account for 30 days or until you've spent third well and you have spent at least $30 with the service so I you know I'm asking the person on support you know is is there any way to get around this can I not just log into YouTube and he says no they're they had a lot of abuse so they put this limitation in there because people were creating trial accounts uploading a bunch of videos and then abandoning them so that's a bummer um, part of my migration was going to move photos from my free accounts it was going to move my files from my free drive account, my email, and then finally my you know, 
hundreds of gigabytes of YouTube videos that I've uploaded over the last decade. And I wasn't able to do the YouTube part, so that was a bummer. Um, so I, then I got on this anti-Google kick for a little bit, and I looked at alternatives. Office 365 looked tasty. Office 365's photo management does not even compare. They don't have live photos. Um, some of the, the administration pages looked archaic. Um, some of the stuff was great, like ex Exchange email is phenomenal. Exchange and Gmail are the biggest email players out there. Uh, Gmail has like a billion users and Exchange has something similar. Uh, Exchange is just so widely used and all of the devices that you have, if you want to synchronize and have push notifications for calendars, contacts, and email, Exchange is your route. But um, I just, I didn't, didn't, I didn't like the fact that I would have to, I couldn't use my photos with Microsoft. I'd have to use a third party. So I looked at the third parties. What are my options? Hey, I ended up one thing real quick, just to roll back. Another problem with G Suite that you probably didn't run into is that G Suite accounts are actually um, the redheaded stepchildren of Google accounts. And <laughs> yes. when, when you try yes. and use like a Google Home Mini or you try and use specific features in Android, it's not uncommon for you to run into the problem where it's like, oh yeah, you can't do this with a G Suite account. You have to be using an actual Gmail, like a Google account. Um, and so it, it introduces problems that I wish that I was, I, I didn't see with like my G Suite account. Uh, agreed. For, for years now, um, if you ever have a G Suite account, there's always been an asterisk. You know, eventually you'll have support for, um, not reminder, scheduling in Gmail or, you know, some of these, these core features are, are new things that are released in Google products. They never come to G Suite first ever. Um, you're always, again, yeah, the, the last, uh, users to get them. However, by the time you do get them, they're solid. So if you're a company and you want to make sure that your users are stable, that's a, a more conservative route. But for early adopters, it's very painful. No, I completely agree with you. Um, I was looking at other photo sharing sites and, you know, we've had Flickr, we have Microsoft, OneDrive, we have Amazon has a photo offering, we have iCloud, we, and we have Google Photos. Those are the big players. Um, I looked at Amazon, and their photo thing is so much better than it's ever been. Um, but it costs, I think it costs like $5 a month or something. Um, but you get live photos. Their app is much better now. They have some good search. It's not as good as Google search, but you can do some of the machine learning search. I could search for garage door, and it would find all the photos in my library with garage door. So I started importing a bunch of photos into that. Uh, my wife and I could log into the, the same app with the same login and password. So we had that shared um, album that I wanted. So Amazon was looking good. So then I started thinking, I'm going to go all in on Amazon. What are my options now? Um, as you know, Amazon doesn't have an email service, but AWS does. Um, AWS has a has a offering called Amazon Work Email, I believe. Things called Workmail. Um, Workmail is Exchange backed, but the interface is custom to Amazon. Uh, but once you create an account, and it's very easy to create an account, um, you can create them for your entire team. But you have contacts, calendars, email, and it all can sync with your iPhone or your Mac using the Exchange protocol. So you get the push notifications, you get all of that. So that was very easy to set up. Um, it was just great. And then I'm, and it's it's also five dollars a month. So then I start looking at you know what are my Google Docs alternatives on Amazon. So they have another product called Work Docs, which is like a terabyte of storage, a bunch of features like Google Docs and spreadsheets and and other things. So I was like, this is great. And then I needed, what was the last thing I needed? I got photos, storage, email. Yep, 
that was, I think I had everything on Amazon at that point. And my total bill was going to be like 15 or $20 per user per month. And Google was like $5 or $12 a user per month for the same features. And Microsoft didn't have photos, but was, was similar. So I, I got everything all set up and I'm like, man, now I'm just nickeled and dimed. I, I pay like 20 bucks a month for this user. So I play with it for a little bit. And then I decided I'm going to give G Suite one more chance. Maybe that last time that I, I signed up, something weird happened and I was locked out of my account. So I, I cleared out the Amazon stuff. I signed up for G Suite again and everything just started working. Um, I was able to log into everything. I was able to start moving files over. There's some quirks, but I can move files over. My photos, I was able to get those migrated. Um, my email started going over and it synchronizes with the iPhone really well. Um, so I feel better to be in the G Suite now, but it, again, it's not perfect. There's still some edge cases. I feel like it's less creepy because I'm, I'm paying for it and I'm not using the free product. But uh, we'll see next week when I'm on Alibaba email or something. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I understand because it is kind of weird to find your own little home on the internet and know where to put things. Because in our world, you know, the iOS developer world, we're very much pressured to use. I I think pressured. Um, it might be a strong term, but I feel like we're kind of pressured to use more indie products or Apple products. Yeah, like one or the other. Um, Google is generally fairly frowned upon, and so we we are more so pushed towards either using iCloud Photos or some sort of third-party solution made by you know a a small development team, and I think that's okay until those applications and/or iCloud just are not cutting it in a way that a Google product would. Um, I have never been able to move over, even though I have tried just can't move over to iCloud Mail. I just can't do it. I've done just, it so many times and it's painful every time and you lose out. If you use you the iCloud so webmail app, searching is terrible. Folder management is almost non-existent. Um, the interface is slow. You, they're, they're so... If I'm on my work computer and I want to view the files from my, my personal iCloud drive, I have to use the web interface. There's no API. I can't log into um, CyberDuck or any of these... Uh, file management software apps on the Mac and get my personal iCloud drive. It just doesn't sync anywhere. But Google Drive syncs everywhere. Their API is open and I can copy files on any machine. I can go back and forth. So having Google Drive, is, that's a huge bonus. The iCloud is, is built for consumers, not for business, and for people who only have a single account, not people who have multiple. Right. And even then, I have friends who have used um, iCloud Drive and lost a lot of stuff in there. Um, like Apple just doesn't have a very good track record in regards to web applications or pretty much anything that uses networking. Um, like, I mean, maybe, maybe not going that far, but at least like their web suite has never been as strong. Um, and I have a hard time just like wanting to use the Apple version just because it's Apple, not because it's actually better. Unlike the operating system, which is better. My final gripe, I I don't want to gripe all night, but my final gripe about iCloud and, and Apple web services is something that we know but we might not say a lot they only update once a year so i if whatever you see at wwdc that's announced for icloud that's all you're going to get for a year with google or amazon or any of these others they're iterating all the time features are added all the time well with apple you wait a year they change the colors a little bit maybe they talk about iwork probably not um, but you just don't see the innovation 
Great. Yeah, I completely agree. And which is really weird to me, also being, you know, a web developer. Like, web is not, like, a native application, which I understand back when iWork was, like, actu- like actually the actual iWork suite was a thing. Um, I understood, like, having an update every year. I cl- uh, iWork 2011, iWork 2012. Um, I-, I remember iWork 09, you know, that made sense. But the web is not the same. Like, we can be deploying new versions of this application multiple times a day, and there's no reason not to. Correct. It's just that Apple Apple's priorities are not in their web application suite. And so because of that, again, yeah, like, same with you. I have a hard time trusting them with with, with my data, even though I know Google is creepy. I, I know that even though they may be creepy, like, they, they are fully invested. I don't feel like Apple's fully invested. Yeah, I, I don't either. With services, they say they are. Um, what are they going to do with Apple Arcade? What are they going to do with Apple News? I'm not seeing a lot of innovation happening in Apple News. Um, I, well, I'll take it back. Apple Music, after forever, <laughs> finally has a web version. Did I lose you? Nope, I'm right here. Sorry, okay. I thought that, I thought there was more to that sentence. You know, I was waiting I, for. <laughs> you can you can edit the whole thing out. You can just stop stop the whole thing. We can transition to remote work or something. Oh no, you're good. I just I just put a mark in there inside of Fireside. Okay. It's all good. But no, you're right. Like um, there hasn't been a whole lot with Apple News. We did finally get a web version of Apple Music, but will we actually see updates to that? You know, yeah. um, we see updates to Spotify all the time. All the time. All the time. That's and that's why I use Spotify. Not to mention the fact that. All of my friends are using Spotify. If we ever want to share a playlist or something, like yep. I, I can't be, I can't be the one guy that's on Apple Music because then nobody can share anything anymore. Right. You know. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's pretty much it. But um, I I have remote work in our notes that I, it's something that I want to talk about. Um, I, I don't know that it's something that we could just talk about and cross that off the list of things that we want to talk about because I think it's going to be something that we talk about a lot. Just you know as this podcast continues, but remote work is tough. Remote work is tough in a lot of respects, but I feel like it can be very, very rewarding. Um, and I have worked remotely before. I do not right now. I would like to again at some point in the future, especially considering, you know, that we're going to have our little sprout. We want to move back to our hometown in Louisiana. Um, but there really is no, there, there really is not a lot of tech out there. So, like, re- working remotely is just kind of the way it's going to be. Um, but at the same time, it, like I said, it's difficult. You, you have to deal with feeling lonely a lot. Um, you have to deal with the fact that though you don't have your boss close by, you still have to create great things. And you need to, like, be working your hours. Um, you have to deal with motivation. You might, it might tank in ways that it doesn't so much when you have coworkers around where you can both be like yeah what we're doing is either really good or what we're doing really sucks you don't have that camaraderie where you can kind of band together over something um, and yet it's rewarding because you can do things such as like have the flexibility to live close to your family um, you have the flexibility to depending on how your job is not everybody's like this but when you get your work done you have some time you have some space to do to 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 do other projects um if you need to be able to to do an errand it's much easier than being inside of you know your co-located space um 
so yeah, I, I just want to talk about like your experiences. What do you think? What are what are your desires around remote work? Is it something that you want to do again? Um, and then you know I can talk about that a little bit for myself as well. Remote work requires trust. It requires trust from every party. Yeah, a lot of people just see the benefits. Oh, I can do this and wake in, you know, wake up and work in my pajamas and you know all these things. But it it requires a dedication, um, not only to you know doing your projects, but also learning. When you're in the office, you are learning so much from other people. You are doing little training classes, even if you don't think you are. You all get together and discuss this new product that doesn't that does not necessarily happen at home. Um, distractions are huge at home. So trust in, in yourself, uh, improving your education, uh, taking online courses, you know, talking with other people, you know, that is important. And then trust with your employer. Um, it's very easy to go spend you know, $25,000 on some employees remotely to go do something. And then a couple sprints, you have nothing to show for it. Um, that's really common. So it, it's contract work uh, tends to be where, where people want to go. They want to you know, have a fixed bid and have a deliverable in the end but that's not it's sustainable it's just a lot of work and the developers don't want to mess with all of that uh, they want a stable paycheck and they want to be able to work remote so there definitely is a balance uh, has to do with a uh, there's a lot of trust involved and then just the self-discipline of you know doing it and, and working through um, how do you protect your work-life balance how do you not take advantage of of your employer and how do you not let your employer take advantage of you so uh, and lonely oh man it's lonely you're going to want to go to coffee shops you're going to want to go to meetup groups you're going to want to work with other people but um, another another benefit though is you get time for deep work that you don't get in the office until you like wait it until after six and everybody goes home you get little spurts where you can close the door you can shut off everything, all the distracting programs on your computer, and you can truly work and solve some deep problems. Um, if your job doesn't consist of that, maybe remote work isn't for you. Um, if your job does consist of that, um, may, maybe try it. What do you think? I think it can be very rewarding. Um, again, like um, with where I work right now, we call that the, the state of flow. Um, which takes, you know, usually takes about 20 minutes before you can really get into it. And every time you're distracted by something, you have to take another 20 minutes to get back into that same state of flow. Um, with working in a co-located space, which is kind of funny because the same company that I work for and talks about the state of flow, uh, the office environment that I'm in right now is is it's kind of difficult because we have a lot of people walking in and out. We have a lot mm -hmm. of uh, a lot of discussions happening. It can be very distracting, and it's actually kind of hard for me personally to get into that state of flow. Um, and so, being able to work remotely lets you go to a co-working space and just put on your headphones and just grind, just like yeah. grind that code out. You know, work on that very difficult problem, and that that can be very rewarding but because you're not in person and they can't see you working that like you said there is a trust and because you're so far away it can be hard for your coworkers or your managers to see that you're actually getting stuff done even though right. you may have an incredibly productive day you didn't move a single ticket over are you actually right. working you know um and you, when i've worked remotely before in the past that was a problem um because I was, I, I, 
I personally did not do a great job of making sure my tickets were updated and like at the end of the day even though I may not have a ticket to remove, writing a description of like what happened. You know, my like communication was something at the time when I was working remotely, like open communication was a problem that I, I, I need to get better at. Um, and so that's why I think it's working remotely is a skill. Like it's not something that comes easily. It's not going to come easy the first day that you start. And I think that it will continue to get better with time. Uh, you just have to keep working with it. Okay. TJ, hypothetical. Yes. Um, you, you start a new company. You're doing an app for ice cream. It is awesome. Something to do with Uber and ice cream. It's the it's the Instagram Uber of ice cream. Um, you're gonna hire. You personally are gonna hire uh, three remote developers. Okay. Are you going to, or are you gonna want to hire them in house so you can watch them? Like, what are your thoughts there? Like, would you hire a remote developer? Possibly. Um. I would want to see the work that they've done, um, be able to look at like, be able to look at it and say, okay, this person knows what they what they're doing. They know how to create a very good looking app that's functional. They have multiple apps in the store. I know that they're not just you know somebody who just popped up out of the blue and they might end up disappearing. So yeah, I would want to make sure that they're not somebody who's just you know here here today going tomorrow. You know, I, w- I want to make sure that they have some work to back them up and maybe you know maybe talk to people who have worked with them. Um, yeah. I think for the right person, it makes sense. I think for someone who is a junior in software development, probably not the best idea. I think that's uh, like for me working in a co-work, uh, co-located space, you know, when I was more of a junior was incredibly helpful. And I was able to learn and do code reviews side by side with somebody, be able to, to go and get a booth and sit together and be like, let's, let's break this problem down. Um, but for someone who's just starting out, I feel like it could possibly stunt your growth. So I think it really depends on the person, the level of experience someone has, um, whether or not I would hire them. Otherwise, like I would love to, you know, someone who has less experience, take them in and, you know, in a co-located space and hire them and work with them in that regard. That makes sense. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, it takes, it takes discipline. Um, don't do it when you're a junior. You need some experience. Yeah, it's it's tough, and you need some type of of resume or some type of proven track record that you can deliver. Right. Hundred percent agree. Okay, TJ. I have one one final thing I want to talk about. All right, let's get it. Did you watch that YouTube video? So there's this this giant Chinese summit where Jack Ma from Alibaba. I think he's like one of the richest guys in China. He is, and yep. Elon Musk were both on stage together discussing AI. It was a it, that was a trip to watch. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts on about Elon Musk right now. So if if you were ever starting a company or you know worried about oh, I want to do this new Instagram slash Uber for ice cream, you know, but I'm afraid that there's already incumbents in the market and. Now think of just take a moment and think about what Elon Musk has done. He started off and did and created PayPal or co-created PayPal, which changed online transactions and payments forever. Then he went into an industry that is trying to upset the utility company by providing solar energy uh, as electricity. Then he went into another industry where he's trying to compete against Ford and GM and Chevy and. Toyota and all these other huge players in the automotive industry. Then he tries to compete against NASA. Like this man 
just takes on the hardest, biggest industries and is succeeding. He's doing awesome. Like, regardless if he does terrible tweets, like, he's trying. He is like our, our modern day uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man. Like, he is Tony Stark. What do you think? Uh, I Most definitely, I think that. And then you... And then the other guy, I, I don't know his name, but I like Oh, Jack said, Maul. Jack Maul, is that his name? All right, so, Shane. <laughs> you live in Colorado. <laughs> I, I don't know how much, like, how much time you've ever spent with a stoner before, but that felt like a discussion between Elon Musk and a stoner. I mean, the conversation was something like, um, he doesn't believe that the that AI will ever be um, smarter or more advanced than a human because a human has heart. And it all sounded really <laughs> like nice and, 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 and uh, it, it was terrible. And then uh, he's, he, I think at one point he says like 99% of all predictions are false. And then Elon Musk just looks at him. It is. Oh man. It just, the ex- just the expressions by Elon, that entire video, which we're going to link in the show notes were just priceless. He's just like, he looks at the camera sometimes and you can just see like this expression. He's like, what, what the hell did I just get myself into? <laughs> oh, man. And I think I, I haven't studied this, but I believe he's trying to build a factory or doing, do something in China. And so he's required to uh, go up there and be part of this, this, uh, this panel, but it was a debate over AI and, Jack Ma is not a techie at all, and Elon Musk is a scientist, and it's just he just he destroyed him. Oh yeah, but it was definitely worth yeah. a watch. Brutal to watch, absolutely hilarious. You should watch it. It'll be in our show notes. Okay, TJ, I got one last thing, and then I think we can end this. All right, let's hit it. Okay, so updates on my Apple Watch. Okay. Oh, oh, Did okay. All right, all right. I, I'm I'm ready for this. You got predictions? My prediction, okay, so last time in, in in the first episode, I said that if it were me, I would probably want to follow her around and be like, you know, hope that she stumbles upon it and find, like, she just happens to find the Apple Watch. But something's telling me that's not what happened, but I'm very curious to hear to hear what, uh, what the outcome of this is. Okay, so let's start off with my daughter. Um, I put her to bed the other day. And okay. I'm, you know, tucking her in, and then I feel on her wrist, she's wearing a watch. Oh my god! Like, what? So I'm like, I get excited for a moment. I'm like, oh! So I, I look down, I pull the covers a little bit, I look at her wrist. It is some little toy Daniel Tiger watch or something that she says, "Look, Daddy, my watch." It's like, oh, you tease. So, no, I have not found the watch. Um, it is, it is still missing. But I found a really cool solution for something. Okay. So. I think it was like 18, 1887, sometime in the late 1800s, um, Levi's created jeans. And so we all wear these jeans, and we have this tiny little pocket that's in your, your right pocket. You have this like tiny, tiny little pocket inside the pocket. You've all seen these, or you, you felt them, you don't know what to do with it, but it's just this tiny little pocket in there. Um, that is called a watch pocket. And so cowboys, um, back in like 18, like the 1890s, would put their pocket watches in that little pocket and it's just stuck ever since now it's just a style we always use it so um i have something related to the apple watch but it's not the apple watch 
Okay. I found an amazing spot to put my AirPods. It's in the, the watch pocket. I, I put there my AirPods go. in there. My kids can't find them. They're like trying to reach in my pocket or trying to like, they always like go after my stuff. And uh, I put them in there and they just can't find them now. So there I, you I think go. I found the best spot for AirPods. Now, however, um, I'm, I'm going to put one of these, uh, this, this image that I'm looking at in our show notes, just the example of, you know, someone using the uh, watch pocket with an actual watch. You, you see the chain that's right there where it's attached to like the belt loop and then you, you, you see the watch, the watch pocket. Do you see the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely with you. Yeah. I want to see if there's something like that for the Apple Watch. You want to like take, oh, wow. What if you took the bands <laughs> off the watch and yes. made it a fastener? It was, it was part of the, Wow. You can make a pocket watch out of an Apple Watch. You can make a pocket watch out of an Apple Watch so that you can have a pocket watch and an iPhone, but whenever you don't want to look, like, pull your phone out of your pocket, like, go through all the work to stick your hand in your pocket, you know, maybe maybe your, your pants are a little bit too small. You know, and it's like it's kind of uncomfortable. You're in the car. You're you're trying to move around, but your your leg is hitting. You, you can't get the phone out. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just there. You go. Nice. You got your Apple Watch in your hand. Then okay, you got to pause this recording because I have another app idea. We okay. Make some type of like fidget spinnery, like some type of swirl counter that uses like the gyroscope. And as you like twirl this Apple Pocket Watch with that chain in your your right hand, it's like counting how many times you can like try to get a record. And then you sink, sink oh to some online gosh, service. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> Millions here. Millions. Millions. I love it. Awesome. I think we've just invented an entirely new like electronic category. I think so too. It's very expensive, um, but we did. Yeah. That's what happens on this show, making blocks. <laughs> Good night, TJ.